Hello, and welcome to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I'm your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet. Today, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, for sure, I'm just going to start talking. I feel the need to uh, record a podcast today for the sake of regularity. I feel like I was doing pretty well uh, clipping along <clears throat> on a daily basis or semi-daily basis. And here lately, it's just been kind of sporadic. Uh, I want to get back into a regular swing of it and be, uh, I guess, just practicing, right? There's definitely a part of me this morning wonders, well, why would I record a podcast if I don't know what I'm going to say on the front end? And uh, I have to remind myself that uh, part of why I'm recording this podcast, why I, why I have a podcast, why I started one, was to practice communication and to get better at effective communication. And, uh, you know, I actually listen to my uh, episodes when I'm driving around. Sometimes I'll turn one on, usually the most recent one that I've just published. And uh, listening to it allows me to uh, evaluate kind of my own uh, attitudes, my own uh, thoughts and opinions, whether they're very well formed or whether they're uh, you know, it's just kind of half baked. And, uh, even if they are, uh, half baked or maybe three quarters baked, <laughs> uh, you know, even just listening gives you an idea of, of where, uh, the holes are in your argument. And then you, as you're listening to yourself, you can kind of objectively, you know, imagine you were listening to somebody else and how critical and how, uh, honest you can be about other people. Uh, you can start to, to sharpen and hone and, and uh, refine, I guess is a good word for it, uh, refine your own thought process. So uh, it's a little bit uh, similar, a lot similar, slightly different from uh, the writing process. Uh, it, in effect, uh, it is the same, even though uh, there's definitely a lot more of a leisurely pace when I'm writing something, I can write a few paragraphs. I can walk away, uh, recording. I can, I guess, record for 15 minutes or so, 10 minutes or so, uh, stop, go do something else, you know, save that one little segment, come back, hit the record button again, record another segment. And, uh, with anchor, I can just piece together several different, uh, clips as many as I, like, I think, you know, they could be all five minutes and I could record, uh, what would that be? 30 of them, uh, something like that. And I would have my, no, that's not right. How many would be, uh, 20, I could record 20, 33, 20. Well, anyway, never mind. I could record a bunch. How about that? Uh, 12. Yeah, 12 five-minute clips would be an hour long, right? Come on, math. It's early in the morning. It's 6.30. I've been awake for an hour. Uh, I'm having my second cup of coffee, but clearly I, I need to take another sip here. And uh, open the calculator. 12 times 5, yeah, 60. Okay, cool. Math. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you get the point. I can record, get up, 
walk away, go do something else, come back. If my kids start fussing, I can hit the pause or stop recording button. And then just freeze that one segment. And, uh, you know, that there's an advantage to that too. Maybe I've been recording too much at a time. And if I just you know, break it down to five minute chunks, then uh, it's easier. If something is misstated, I can just delete that one little chunk and re-record. And as long as I take note of what I was saying in that five minute piece, then uh, I can just re-record that five minutes, make sure that I restate that effectively or without screaming children or without me clearing my throat or, uh, you know, anyway, blowing my nose, sneezing. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit today about temperament. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to cover. Um, I had uh, my cousin Micah send me a link to a PragerU video uh, yesterday, actually, by the author of a book he's reading right now about uh, violence and rioting and intimidation on university campuses and also police brutality and just examining that. You know, is that uh, being portrayed accurately in the media? And uh, if not, why not? But what are the actual facts? And so he sent me this uh, YouTube video, uh, PragerU video. It's about five minutes long. And uh, I'll be honest, I didn't really watch too much of that video. Um, I kind of was distracted. Uh, I've watched some of it. I caught the gist of what she was saying. I was just curious what she looked like and uh, where she was from. Uh, the, but the, the, the thing that I took away from the process was where YouTube shows you recommended videos down in the margins based on other things that you've liked and watched and even the thing that you're watching right at that moment. And uh, there was a fireside chat with Dennis Prager that showed up on the recommended videos list. And so I clicked into that and really like... Dennis Prager, and I like his fireside chats. I think they're uh, a neat thing, definitely for the people with more uh, extended attention spans. Uh, I notice as well that uh, Ben Shapiro's got hour-long YouTube videos. Uh, Dennis Prager's got half-hour-long fire fireside chats, it looks like. And uh, one thing that I like about Prager's fireside chats, uh, for one, it just seems very casual and relaxed. He's a dignified gentleman as he's uh, discussing things. And uh, he's just speaking off the cuff in his, uh, looks like a study uh, or parlor. He's got this nice chair with books in the background and a fireplace. And uh, I guess in a lot, of his, a lot of his videos, he had a cigar. And so he'd be smoking his cigar while he was talking about things. And uh, the, the episode that I was watching yesterday, he was explaining that uh, Facebook actually wouldn't allow him to promote his fireside chats, uh, his, his videos, uh, because Facebook said that he was promoting uh, smoking. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a weird, weird thing to me. Um, and it definitely was to Prager too. I mean, he he looked at it from the angle of 
you know, what kind of a world are we living in where it's better safe than sorry at every turn. And uh, instead of us being home of the free land of the free home of the brave, where we rejoice in being free to do things, uh, or just everything has got to be uh, taped off and uh, you've got to be saved from yourself, protected. Everybody's got to be protected from anything that could possibly uh, be a bad influence. Um, but not really. I mean, I, I guess I look at that and the cynical part of me that's been paying attention to uh, what is going on in the wider world, what's going on with the social media giants like Facebook censoring conservatives. Um, I look at that as an excuse to suppress Prager's videos on Facebook. We're going to say that uh, that's our reason. You know, cigar smoking. It's not your politics. It's not your values. It's not the content of your character and your ideas and what you're communicating. And that you're challenging our worldview and our uh, uh, agenda. It's uh, cigars, right? Okay. Well, I have just, while I was talking, uh, uh, loaded my tobacco pipe with some Captain Black Cherry, and uh, I'm going to smoke my pipe as I'm recording this. Please don't report me to uh, Facebook and Twitter and all the rest, all these other social media uh, outlets that I uh, might share my podcast episodes too. Please don't report me to Anchor and have my podcast taken down, but I'm going to smoke my pipe while I record this. You can't see it, but I, but I am right now. I also want to talk about, uh, you know, just the temperament of Dennis Prager and Ben Shapiro. And I was at church on Wednesday with my family, uh, taking the kids to Awana clubs. And I was talking with an older gentleman. He was telling me about listening to the radio. And I said, oh, well, who do you like listening to on the radio? He says, oh, do you know who Alex Jones is? And I says, yeah, I know who Alex Jones is. He says, I like him. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I, you know, I've recorded an episode where I, I talked about I, I don't like uh, that Alex Jones has been suppressed. He's been blacklisted on social media. I think that's dirty, rotten, no good for anybody. Um, but uh, I do not really care for Alex Jones. I don't like his temperament. Um, by contrast, you know, you have uh, a Dennis Prager. I, I very much more prefer his bedside manner. Uh, but, you know, that's me being honest. That's not even saying that, that my preferences uh, amount to a whole bill of beans worth of difference in uh, whether those guys are being appropriate or not. Um, I have my questions. You know, it's funny. I, I worked for a guy, and this is not, not at all to say this is what I believe. Uh, I'm just throwing this in there as an interesting anecdote. There was a, a young guy that I worked with at ConocoPhillips who was really big into conspiracy theories, like big, big, and uh, I think way too much into them. 
and uh, the Illuminati and uh, the Bohemian Grove and One World Government and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he just, I mean, any any chance he got to tell you about everything he knew on those fronts, he would uh, he would share it. And uh, who was the guy? There was one radio host from years ago that he just was absolutely, I mean, anything this guy recorded, he thought was just fantastic. And uh, uh, what was the guy's name? Anyway, uh, he ended up being shot in some kind of an altercation with the FBI, which is, uh, I think, very suspicious, um, concerning. Um, this guy, whatever his name was, man, that bothers me. I just hate it when that happens. You're trying to think of a person's name, and it's just, oh, it's just not there. take another sip of my coffee hopefully that helps um anyway this guy whatever his name was had a theory which my young associate shared with me that alex jones is actually a plant by the illuminati uh, one world government types to make conspiracy theories or rather the truth about what's going on sound and look crazy and, uh, I mean, two things on that one. Wow. Okay. You know, you just, uh, you, you, you saw <laughs> the Alex Jones conspiracy theory crowd, uh, being, uh, maybe some would say paranoid. And, uh, you said, hold my beer. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to say the Alex Jones show is part of the conspiracy. Um, yeah, that's, it's funny. Um, on, on that, in that aspect. Uh, but uh, honestly, it's like, you know, it wouldn't, if, if the, the one world government Illuminati stuff, if there's, uh, any, any weight to that, it is kind of, a it, I mean, it doesn't seem completely incredible or implausible that Alex Jones would be, uh, you know, a, a plant to discredit, uh, things that are actually accurate, you know, to, to share accurate information, just like you've got CBS and ABC and MSNBC and, and all the rest, concealing the truth and obscuring it and uh, twisting and manipulating and uh, only showing certain stories that confirm their narrative, not showing and downplaying or uh, misreporting on stories that undermine their narrative. Uh, and then you, you might have the flip side of the coin where they have an outlet and they have a personality in Alex Jones who really does present the way that it is, but he presents it in such a distasteful way that it's like it, uh, it, it turns you off to believing or acting on or mobilizing or uh, anything, you know, the, the information that he's presenting, even though it's accurate. Um, so anyway, I thought I'd share that, uh, that little nugget. Um, man, it bothers me. I can't remember the guy's name. I'm going to pause this recording right here and I'm going to look up that guy's name and then I'm going to hit record again and I'll tell you one second.
Bill Cooper. That's who it was. Thank you very much for holding for all of the two seconds that <laughs> it'll amount to on this episode. Uh, it was actually five minutes for me uh, offline where I just paused that. Uh, I'll tell you, I listened or started to listen to one episode of something that was recorded by Bill Cooper. And uh, I don't know, I wasn't really impressed. Uh, the big warning sign for me was he was talking about religion and Christianity and Satan and all of that uh, in ways that just it, it's, he was reducing it uh, not just to uh, too much uh, simplicity, but in an atheistic way, it seemed like to me, or in a deistic way at best where there is a God <clears throat> and there may be a devil. I don't remember what his position was on that. He definitely didn't believe that the, the Luciferians, as he called them, uh, that run the, the uh, most powerful institutions in the world, that they actually believe in uh, a biblical Satan. Uh, he, he said that that was just kind of, uh, it was a farce, right? Uh, and I've met uh, a few Satanists, and they uh, they didn't actually, the one, he said, is, I'm not even really a Satanist. I just do this to upset my dad and as a way of being angry at God because my mom got cancer when I was a kid. And uh, I don't understand why a good God would allow that to happen. And, and so, you know, Bill Cooper's take was that you've got uh, people that claim to be Luciferians or, or Satanists really are running the show behind the scenes in uh in politics and business etc and uh, they don't they don't actually and they and they drum up all this stuff about uh oh, being anti-christian or whatnot um i don't know i don't know what to what purpose he didn't seem to have a biblical view of uh end times and the grand scheme of things you know my take on it is that you read biblical prophecy and you see that there's going to be an antichrist figure. There's going to be a one world government and you're going to have many deceived and they're going to fall away and they're going to be corrupted and they're going to take the mark of the beast and uh, they're going to be forfeit uh, from a salvific standpoint because they've submitted themselves to uh, the satanic uh, world system. And how does that happen? Does that all happen just in the blink of an eye and the snap of a finger where all of these world leaders, they were uh, just completely out of the loop as to the true nature of things? Um, or is it, as it, I think is more likely, that it'll be apparent um, for the people in the wider world that things are not as they should be, uh, but they'll go along with it a little more and a little more and a little more. And, uh, and eventually, they will have lost all sensitivity to uh, what is good and evil, uh, to the point where they'll have reversed, you know, calling uh, good evil and evil good. Uh, woe to those, uh, according to the scriptures, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Uh, but that is to say, there are people that are that way, and you can't take them uh, at face value. If they, if they claim they get upset that something is not good, uh, well, wait a second. Where does your standard of goodness come from? 
right? Uh, if your standard of goodness came from Satan, then maybe I don't care uh, if you think this is good or not, right? So you know, I'm bouncing around, I know. But let's talk about Kavanaugh for a second. Uh, justice uh, to the Supreme Court, potentially, hopefully, soon, uh, nominated by President Donald Trump, Brett Kavanaugh. Well, <laughs> if the left, from the very moment he was announced as the nominee, was saying that this man was evil, he was the worst possible uh, person to be put on the Supreme Court, he was going to do terrible things to women uh, by taking away potentially their right to have an abortion, uh, which is not a right, that's a wrong, they're wrong to have an abortion. But anyway, um, you know, if they were saying that's evil, if he overturns Roe versus Wade, or his, he won't do it single-handedly, obviously, but he's instrumental in that, that's evil. Woe to those who call good evil, evil good. Woe to you, Democrats. Woe to you. Judgment is coming. And God is not going to take a vote to see if you think that abortion is good or abortion is evil. He's made up his mind. He's got a, a perfect standard, which that either violates or it uh, submits to, or, or uh, what's the word, um, adheres to, coincides with. God is not confused by the smoke and mirrors, the shell game, the sleight of hand, the dishonesty, the manipulative, the manipulative uh, trotting out of accusers, of slandering a good man and his family and Republicans and all men and all white men and all conservatives and all Christians, uh, which is being done by the left. In effect, whether or not the Democrats know that they're being satanic, they're being satanic, right? Uh, whether or not they all put on robes and walk through uh, the forest at night to some uh, seedy uh, <laughs> Mesopotamian altar and sacrifice a virgin, whether or not that in fact actually happens or, or doesn't happen, uh, in effect, the spirit which is leading and guiding them uh, is not from God uh, because God's word is clear about what is good and evil, what is right and wrong. How then shall we live? Not as unwise, but as wise. Oh, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? Test the spirits to see whether they be from God. Uh the spirit which animates and guides, whether they know it or not, the Democrats, is satanic. And so as we get closer to the end times, whenever they are, and I don't know when they're going to be, no man knoweth the day or the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Uh, whenever we get there, as we get closer, and we get closer every day, as I believe and as the scriptures state, uh, that satanic uh, control over the status quo and over politics, uh, it, it will only create more and more confusion, more suffering, more destruction, more strife. And, uh, you know, Bill Cooper, uh, I don't know what the truth is about him. And uh, Alex Jones, I don't know what the truth is about him. If, 
they are truth tellers in some respects. They can't be in all respects because they're just men, right? And, uh, and how does that work exactly if you're, you don't believe anybody, you don't trust anybody, and then you, you find these guys and then you're going to trust them. And they're telling you everything is a lie except what I'm telling you right now. Well, wait a second. You know, it, I think it makes way more sense as a Christian that, you know, let God be true and every man a liar. You know, God has everything. He, everything belongs to him. He owns it all, uh, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created it all, he has all the authority and power. And if he says, this is the way things are going to be, this is my standard, then for us to uh, believe that isn't, I don't think, hard. You know, what reason would he have to lie? He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't need to manipulate us. He doesn't need to mislead us as if he's trying to gain the upper hand. He already has the upper hand. He gains nothing by deceiving us. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. According to Jesus, he is not only a truth teller, he is the truth. The core central truth around which uh, everything else needs to revolve. The core central preeminent thing that needs to be most important to us. Now, let me balance that statement. Not reduce, not take away from it at all, but let's balance it. You know, there's a, a problem that I have with Jimmy Swagger. And my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law uh, and my, my brother-in-law's parents, uh, big fans of Jimmy Swagger. And I have watched just a little and listened to just a little and read just a little of Jimmy Swagger and then talked with my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law and uh you know let god be god and uh i'm not trying to be judgmental or critical or anything but it seems to me as though uh there is a desire to boil things down excessively as if the cross of christ is a magical abracadabra phrase that we can just say whenever we get into a sticky theological question or issue something that requires thinking uh, critically and being confused. Honestly, you have to grapple with certain things that are in the scriptures. Peter writes at one point, some of the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. Well, if all you have to do every time you read something that's hard to understand in the scriptures is just say the cross of Christ, then well, why was Peter saying some of the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. If it's all so simple, well, it's not. That's the point. When it comes to the Christian faith, Jesus being the only begotten Son from the Father, born of a virgin, living a sinless life, uh, dying on a cross as the atoning sacrifice uh, taking the penalty for our sins, if that is the core, central, most important, non-negotiable 
truth in Christianity, then that doesn't mean that's the only truth in Christianity. And that doesn't mean that's all you need to know. Right? Uh, there's a whole lot of narrative besides just the Gospels where you have the Nativity, which gives us our Christmas uh, <laughs> church attendance. And then you've got Easter, which gives us Jesus dying, being buried, raising again. You, know, you think about Jesus right at this instant, if the scriptures are true, and if we believe that, Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of the Father, watching, listening, he knows. And someday he will return and he will judge. And he won't judge just, you know, randomly. And he's not going to be deceived and he's not going to be fooled. He knows. You think about that. Jesus knows more than Google. He knows you better than Facebook does. He's, his algorithms are perfect. <laughs> He can FaceTime you anytime, and he's listening. And if you pray, you ask anything in his name, he can give it. It's all his to give. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so we come to uh, issues of the day. So this morning, Sunday morning, my wife and children and I, we're going to eat breakfast. We're going to get our clothes on. We're going to go to church. You know, there are practical matters to attend to. And to say that, uh, it doesn't detract from the spiritual. In fact, it should be, uh, you know, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, as far as our spiritual walk and our physical walk. And we realize there is a, a sinful nature that uh, all who are descendants of the first Adam uh, are born with, according to the scriptures, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you're in Christ, then you are a descendant of not only the first Adam, but the second Adam. So you die to sin. And you're raised with Christ. And to say that the physical concerns of the moment no longer matter would be evil. It would be. It would be untrue. It wouldn't be something that we would get from the scriptures as if they say that because they don't. Now, what does God say? He does say to be content, to be thankful. You know, read the narrative, and you also can look at what is explicitly stated, commanded in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, God gives manna in the wilderness and quail. He gives food and water. He, he supplies the children of Israel with everything that they need after he leads them out of Egypt. And he wants to teach them and show them that he is their God and that they depend on him for everything. And they complain and they grumble about, is this all there is to eat? And they're faithless, and they want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to bondage. And they're punished 
for being faithless because it's serious. It's the opposite of worship. It's the opposite of recognizing who God is to be ungrateful to God for what he's given. Now, that isn't to say if you have the chance to get a hold of a, uh, a bison flat iron like I did a couple of weeks ago with mashed potatoes and gravy on the side, some vegetables, some salad from the salad bar, and a nice cool blue moon with a swedge of orange in the top. If you have a chance to get a hold of one of those for your dinner instead of manna and quail and water from a rock, uh, you know, thank God for that too. But uh, there's definitely, you know, there's been times in our lives, uh, my life, my family's life, where we said, hey, well, what do we have in the pantry? We're out of money. There's no money to go get groceries right now. Not for a couple of days. Just kind of have to make do with what we got. Do we have any ramen noodles? Do we have bananas? And I, it is a struggle. I, I will not lie. Uh, it is a struggle to be uh, cheerful and content in moments like that. I struggle with it, with not being bitter and frustrated and angry and thinking about all the things that could have gone differently. People that should have been more supportive or helpful or paid attention or whatever. And God, God, why are you letting this happen to us? Why are we out of money? Why are we living so close to disaster? Well, where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? I think is uh, some of God's response, not the entirety of it. God answers Job after Job complaining about far worse circumstances than I've ever experienced where his children are killed, his servants are hauled off into slavery, his livestock are stolen from him, his health fails him. And his wife tells him to curse God and die. Just get it over with. God will give you a quick, clean death if you curse him. And Job is asking, why, 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 why? Why is this happening? Why? There's no good reason that I can see. I don't understand. God, if this is what you were going to do, why did you allow me to be born in the first place? It just makes no sense to me. And God's response eventually is to say, where were you? Were you there uh, advising me when I created everything? When I set the foundations of the earth? Even just to think about that, I, I don't even know what that looks like right now, much less to have been there when God created them. So going back to the... Uh, Kavanaugh issue with the Supreme Court. There's been several people that have been discussing this week how uh, if the allegations didn't prove that he was unfit to be on the Supreme Court, now his temperament in responding angrily to the allegations proves that he's unfit. He doesn't have the temperament to be a Supreme Court justice. And I know uh, Saturday Night Live, was a, there was a link from NPR in my feed this morning uh, had some skit where Matt Damon was impersonating Kavanaugh as being this angry, white, sniffling, uh, 
jerk, I guess, just ridiculing him. Yeah, you know, and that's funny, right? Like everything is within bounds. If the left wants to mock and show absolutely zero dignity, that's okay. But if a Republican gets angry at having been put through hell, his family being put through hell with false accusations, with a circus designed to destroy the uh, opportunity to nominate a conservative to the Supreme Court right now, uh, for him to get angry at that. That, whoa, whoa, that's too much. Oh, man, know your place. How dare you get angry at your progressive overlords trying to destroy you for the needs of the collective. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And so it's okay to lie and to destroy you because it's for the greater good. Sorry, that's satanic right there. And what is the correct temperament? Uh, you know, I personally... Uh, far and away prefer Dennis Prager with all of his calm uh, demeanor. I've never seen him upset. He seems like he's just a winsome fellow and uh, charming, articulate, uh, pointed. Uh, you know, is that invariably a more appropriate demeanor and temperament at all times than and Alex Jones. Now, I do think Alex Jones is all uh, excitement and upset uh, to animate his viewers, his listeners. I think it's a circus. I think he uh, exaggerates. And I think he tries to get himself whipped into a frenzy because that's what he thinks people want and need. Uh, and I think it's counterproductive. Now, I think if it's if it is a... Uh, a moment of great injustice where it needs to be emphasized. This is wrong. What's happening This is evil. You need to get people's attention, wake them from their stupor or rouse them from their cowardice, from their apathy, from their uh, being complicit by doing nothing, by saying nothing to oppose the wrong thing that's happening. I think that, uh, I think that's that's legitimate. Uh, Lindsey Graham's response to the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing, I think, was appropriate. Uh, he shamed the Democrats, said it was absolutely the most unethical sham he'd ever seen in all of his time in politics so far. And you got to think about it too. The Republicans, they they never get thanked flake uh senator jeff flake having reversed his decision to vote to confirm kavanaugh after being yelled at by two women in an elevator uh, who are uh, employees of heavily funded organizations uh, I, sh I should say organizations heavily funded by george soros the hungarian billionaire uh, who is this Emperor Palpatine figure trying to dabble in politics around the world, trying to achieve this utopian progressive leftist uh, future. 
these women working on George Soros's dime, uh, subsidized by him, yelling at Senator Jeff Flake, berating him in an elevator for not calling for an FBI investigation. Well, then he comes back from that. And he, he changes his mind. He's going to vote to confirm Kavanaugh. Then he decides to vote with the Democrats for an FBI investigation. And they're not going to thank him for it. And what I think that was, was he wanted to look like he had a certain temperament. If he's up for re-election, if he thinks, man, the optics of this are not good, I want to get re-elected, or I don't want to get lynched, I want to be remembered as the guy that was on the winning side at the end. Shame on that. Shame on that. And it's one thing to want to have the truth. That's what we should aspire to. But the cynic will ask in this day, as Pontius Pilate asked, standing before innocent Jesus, what is truth? In Pilate's case, the truth was whatever the angry mob shouted. If they shouted, free Jesus, let him out. If they shouted, crucify him. The truth is whatever we say it is. No. No, the truth is whatever God says it is. Truth is truth. Goodness is not taken by a vote. Evil is not uh, an emotional label. You just say whatever makes me feel a way I don't want to feel is evil. That's not the way that works. Evil is anything that violates God's standard of right conduct. Or right thinking or right attitude. If God says, do not murder, then to murder is evil. Not because there's a standard that's independent of God, which God then is submitting to, but because God set the standard and said, don't evil, don't, uh, don't uh, murder. It's evil. I want to compare this to uh, music. I was having a conversation with one of my aunts several years back, and we were talking about rock music and rap music, and uh, she's not really uh, a very, um, oh, shall we say, uh, I guess contemporary <laughs> sort of a person when it comes to music. A little bit old-fashioned, and feels like uh, rock and rap has a beat to it. You know, the, the sounds, the the style, it just it lends itself to being carnal. And what does carnal mean? Um, I don't know. I think it just means it it makes your your body feel things, and it makes you feel you know all just kind of um, agitated and whatever. And so we were talking about this, I think, in relation to, you know, me listening to music that oh, I might not have been. I might have just been in, in theory. 
just in passing. I don't remember if I actually was listening to anything in front of her that that prompted this discussion. But anyway, she made a remark about you know, music that uh, just kind of gets somebody feeling aggressive. You know, is that really what you want? Something that is going to make you feel aggressive might, you know, put you in the, the mood to, to fight somebody or, or hurt somebody or do something you shouldn't do or whatever. Then I said, well, you know, let's, let's think about that for a second. You know, uh, you know, you think about the, the wedding song. I think that's the wedding march. You know, you listen to that and immediately you start thinking about, uh, this cheerful, happy day, sunlight pouring in through the stained glass windows. Maybe you're even having the service outside. People throwing rice at a smiling groom and bride as they descend the stairs of the church into the waiting limousine to be whisked off to the airport to uh, immediately just go off on their, their honeymoon and enjoy uh, being married. Right? So you, you listen to that song, and it's the notes... The rhythm, everything, is evocative, and it's appropriate. Now, if you played a funeral dirge at somebody's wedding, that would not be appropriate, right? People might laugh, depending on who the groom or the bride was, but that would not be appropriate because the music is not fitting of the occasion. Doesn't really make you think of people being happy and excited. It doesn't fit the occasion. Now, if you played, uh, I don't know, uh, what's a happy song? Pop Goes the Weasel <laughs> at a funeral. Uh, again, you might have some people chuckle. You'd have other people very not amused. Uh, <laughs> and, but it would just, it would not fit the occasion. Right. Uh, now, if I am about to go off into battle, you know, the enemy has invaded my homeland. I have uh, my weapon ready. I have my uh, fellow warriors to the right and to the left of me. and We're charging the enemy. Ride of the Valkyries is fantastic. That's what I need. That's exactly what the doctor ordered right here. And so I'm going to listen to that. But it needs to fit the occasion. It needs to be appropriate. And my point of all that is to say, I think there's some confusion as to what circumstance we're in right now and what is appropriate is being bandied about or discussed. Apart from the question of, well, what is going on, actually? Is this a wedding? Is this a funeral? Or are we charging into battle here? If we're charging into battle here, maybe don't play Pop Goes the Weasel. Maybe don't play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Okay. Any idiot charging into battle, listening to nursery rhymes, is not going to inspire the confidence of his comrades. And he's probably not going to intimidate the enemy. He's probably going to be a laughing stock on both ends of the battlefield. And he's probably not going to be successful because the emotions that he's needing to have in that moment are not appropriate. If, if the music he's listening to uh, doesn't match the occasion. Uh, you know, I remember back when my wife and I were at Cedarville University, we had chapel every day in the mornings before classes, and I thought it was great. And we would have 
speakers come in from all over and they would give sermons or talks and we would have praise and worship. And uh, it was just, it was glorious. It was beautiful. But I remember one of the speakers who came uh, to talk with us during chapel uh, said, you know, we, we need to stop thinking of the Christian walk and of the church as being this pleasure cruise. Uh, we need to start thinking of it as us being on a battleship at the gates of hell, uh, trying to uh, do battle with the forces of evil, do battle with uh, the forces of darkness, with God at our back, uh, you know, trying to trying to encourage people with the gospel to be saved, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You know, wow. Man, what a paradigm shift, right? If you're thinking about racquetball on the deck of this uh, this cruise liner versus uh, being on the, the deck of a battleship firing uh, artillery rounds at, uh, at an evil, evil enemy. Now, I'll tell you, this is a, a little confession. Uh, from back in the day when my brother was uh, going into the Marine Corps, he was he was slated to. <clears throat> he was uh, exercising and working out, and he was a little bit on the pudgy side, not in good shape. He was in good shape to be a keyboard warrior, but not uh, an actual Marine when he first announced that he was going to go uh, into the Marines. But he worked out. He ran. He exercised. He got himself in shape, lost a lot of weight. Uh, built some muscle up, and he did it. He went and uh, successfully completed boot camp, became a Marine, served honorably. But I remember thinking to myself when he went off to the Marine Corps, why is it that they have to yell at you during training? And I had a real problem with that. And uh, yeah, I'm still not... Entirely convinced, is it necessary? Uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to uh, listen to, read a history of training uh, for soldiers. But I know part of the rationale, the explanation for why uh, yelling and aggression and hostility from your uh, drill instructors is a key pivotal part of the uh, training process of boot camp uh, is that if you're in a actual battle, you've got to be ready for somebody to show aggression towards you. And you've got to be able to keep your wits about you with somebody showing aggression towards you. And if you can't do that, you're going to die. Is that what you want? Would you rather die in the actual fight or are you okay with somebody showing aggression right now during training? If you can't handle somebody showing aggression, you're in the line, wrong line of work. And that's exactly the point, right? So you go into boot camp, and if you don't make it because you're not physically or mentally tough enough, then you're not going to be watering down the rank and file to where in a battle, you're useless. You are uh, not dependable. And, uh, you know, I think so also uh, in a Supreme Court nomination uh, confirmation hearing, uh, 
where a man and his wife and their family are being destroyed or death threats are being uh, made against Kavanaugh and his family by the radical left in this country. And the response from pious-sounding, self-impressed, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what the, the right term is on the right, you know, to say, hey, we need to be more dignified. You know, we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. You know what? Shut up. I'm sorry. The, the higher standard is going to start with uh, being appropriate to the circumstance. When this man and his family are being threatened with death and they're being slandered, when thousands upon thousands of infants are being murdered in their mother's wombs every single day in this country because Roe versus Wade, legislating from the bench 40, 50 years ago, uh, made it okay, a protected action for a woman and a doctor to murder a child. Uh, when that is the case every single day, don't talk to me about being appropriate and having the right temperament. The right temperament is to be pissed off because this is an injustice. This is evil. What is happening? It is absolutely diabolical and satanic. That is what holding ourselves to a higher standard would mean, being pissed off right now because this is a disgrace. Because what's at stake is not even just this man and his family, and the Democrats know that. The Democrats can see that. Only from the other side, they've convinced themselves and their supporters that the moral, righteous, upright, holy cause is to destroy this man. And Republicans are going to be impartial. And like Pontius Pilate, they're going to say, what is truth? When I'm getting yelled at by two women in an elevator, what is truth? You know, at least Pontius Pilate had a crowd outside his palace. And Jeff Flake folded. Flaky Flake folded. Man, wait, if ever there was, it's like you couldn't make up that guy's name in a, a fictional story without everybody being like, yeah, that was lame. You called him Flake. Hey, talk about foreshadowing. You know, like you're going to name the protagonist Buff McHero and we're going to be surprised when he ends up being this astonishing uh, <laughs> guy with superior. And then you're going to name this other guy Jeff Flake. He's going to be a Judas. Big surprise. Good job, Jeff Flake. What is truth? Like Pontius Pilate asks. That is where we're at, Republicans. All you that are talking about holding to a higher standard, you're cowards. And you're naive. You want to hold anybody to a higher standard? Hold yourself to a higher standard. And stop riding the fence and trying to score points on the left. They're not going to thank you for it. They're not going to like you for it. They're not going to appreciate it at all. You're playing with fire. You're winking at the devil. Shame on you. They can't be reasoned with. They need to be defeated. And if you're unclear about that, and they've got all the outrage in this day and age, the emotionally triggered people who just go around thinking with their uh, feelings, with their nerve endings, they don't actually think rationally about, well, what is true? What is right? They're going to go with the Democrats and with the hype and the hysteria.
with a smoke and mirrors, with a shell game. And the people that are principled are not going to vote for your re-election because you're worthless. You are a worthless man if you get up there and you do nothing. In fact, you're worse than, worse than useless because you, by your silence and inaction, are affirming that this is okay with you. Why would we go? Why would I even waste my time going and voting for you? It's a waste of my time because you're going to do nothing. You're not going to represent what's true and what's good. Shame on you. You want to lose? That's how you lose. You want to give the country over to Democrats who will destroy a man and his family, who will murder thousands of babies a day, and march in the streets if you even hint that you might try to stop them eventually when you get around to it after you're done doing everything else that's more important to you you're going to give the country over to those people god help you god have mercy on the rest of us judgment is coming i think judgment is coming for both those that do such things and those who affirm them while they do it silently acquiesce, who nod in approval, who say, yes, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to try and stop you. I'll support you. What do you need from me? Persecute me last, please. That's all I ask. Give, give my family uh, preferential treatment in the gas chambers, please. Make it quick. <laughs> give me a break. Shame on you. Anyway, as you can hear, probably in the background, my children are all awake. It's time for us to go off to church. Today, I'm going to pray that God would give me uh, contentment and peace with what he's provided. And uh, that I would be at peace about what's going on in the wider world. And that he would give me guidance and wisdom, be able to respond appropriately. And not respond appropriately in the sense of, I'm going to just play it safe and be Mr. Nicey Nice Guy until evil takes over. But having boldness and courage. I'm going to pray God would help me to be appropriate. And that means when it's time to be fired up and to rebuke evil and nonsense, that I do so. And I'm not silent. I'm not acquiescent. I'm not part of the problem, but part of the solution. In any event, I thank you for listening. Pray that you would uh, also be uh, content with whatever God has given you, that he would give you wisdom. God bless. <laughs>